Welcome to the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moayeri. I have been a music journalist since 1992, and I interview a lot of music-related people. This podcast, which is named after the song by The Who, is about my experience behind the story, what my experience is doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 78. We publish monthly with a new episode posting on the second Wednesday of each month. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon. Although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com as it is the highest quality audio and avoids copyright restrictions. This episode is on my very few experiences with pulp. She came from Greece, she had a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's what I caught her eye. She told Here are a few snapshots of my experiences with pulp. Like most Anglophiles who devoured all the Britpop groups of the 90s, I also got swept up in the pulp tidal wave. I have to admit, I veered more toward the rocky side of Britpop rather than the arty side of it, which pulp definitely are. Also, I may have mentioned this before, but historically, I am not much of a lyric listener. Instead, I absorb the vocal parts of a song as another sound source rather than something to relate to or enjoy topically. As a musician and lyricist, Lawrence's keen attention to the latter has, over the last few years, made me more of a lyric listener and appreciator. Which brings me back to Pulp, as the group's leader, Jarvis Cocker, is certainly one of the more clever and sly lyricists in modern music. At the time of Pulp's peak, which arguably is the era of their Mercury Prize-winning 1995 album, Different Class, I was less interested in the band themselves, but was enjoying the fun element of their music. Also, while most of the Britpop bands were around my age, the members of Pulp were a bit older, which when you're in your 20s seems like a big divide. To put that in context, Jarvis turned 60 this past September, which is a little bit of a difficult fact to process for me. I did have the good fortune and privileged opportunity to interview Jarvis and Pulp's late bass player Steve Mackey about different class for Detour magazine in person at the Chateau Marmont here in Los Angeles. To put the importance of Pulp and Different Class in context, Detour was a tastemaker magazine for which I was usually scheduled to do interviews at least three months in advance of an album's release. That's a pretty common timeline for a monthly print magazine. And the trendier the magazine, and Detour was way up there, the earlier the interviews would happen as the magazine was expecting to lead the conversation about whoever it was covering. The fact that I interviewed Pulp seven months after the album's release was a sign that none of the rules applied to them. They were in a different class, pun intended. The interview was on my birthday, May 20th, poolside at the Chateau Marmont. The pool is not the default location I would put pulp. Both Jarvis and Steve were fully dressed in relatively conservative button-down shirts and trousers. Jarvis, however, was wearing clear jellies, those horrid fisherman-style plastic shoes. 
I couldn't stop staring at those jellies and I hate to admit that I ended up buying a pair afterward. They looked ridiculous on me and they made my feet smell. But they did remind me of Jarvis every time I wore them, smell notwithstanding. What I remember from Jarvis's and Steve's energies is that they were very relaxed and gracious with each other. I remember Jarvis lighting Steve's cigarette with a familiar flourish that made me want to be part of their friend group. With me, they were guarded and not automatically friendly. Earlier that year at the Brit Awards, Jarvis had mooned Michael Jackson during his performance and was arrested for it. This was one of the most talked about events that year and to this day. Even though it was three months old and I'm sure Jarvis was interviewed about it endless times, I asked him if we could talk about it and he made me feel very comfortable when he said yes. This is an abridged version of what he told me about the incident. It was a very spontaneous gesture. I don't hate Michael Jackson as a person. I know nothing about him actually. I know the same as everyone else, the things written about him in the papers, which may or may not be true. But it was that particular performance that I thought was a bit much, pretending to be Jesus and stuff. And there was the kids angle, which I thought was a bit inappropriate somehow. In the light of the allegations that have been made against him, I thought it was a bit silly to have done something like that. It seemed like he was being allowed to get away with this tasteless performance because of who he was. Everybody seemed to think it was pretty tasteless, but nobody was doing anything about it. I just started walking toward the stage. Once I was up there, I didn't know what to do. He was on the crane being lowered. He probably didn't even see me. One of the dancers suddenly changed from looking like Gandhi into a security guard and started chasing me around the stage. Quite a lot of people were saying, well done. I felt like I'd done what a lot of people wanted to, but didn't. That quote is taken from the Q&A version of the interview, which was printed in Hits magazine in June 1996. That interview also has some choice quotes from Steve, who was eloquent and gentlemanly at all times. I will be posting that interview as well as the one that ran in Detour magazine as part of the paid tier of my Pictures of Lily newsletter. The link to subscribe will be posted in this episode or you can subscribe directly at picturesoflily.com. Well, it happened years ago When you lived on Stanford Road I got to witness the photo shoot that Jarvis and Steve did for the Detour article layout, which was a treat. In that article, I put a little piece of my observations, which was that both of them curled their toes up while the photographs were being taken and relaxed them back down once those shots were completed. I also ended up in Steve's hotel room. I'm not sure why. His wife, superstar stylist Kate Grand, was there with their brand new baby Marley, as well as Ioni Skye, daughter to Donovan and star of Say Anything. That wasn't the first time I saw Ioni around. Ioni was friends with the most random collection of people, including a lot of British musicians, wives, and partners. But she is the daughter of a British musician, and I think has only had musician partners, so it's not a far stretch. Anyway, there was a lot of adults attending to Marley who was really new in the world, and it took a lot of getting used to in order to look after him. But he was very sweet. A couple of days later, I went to see Pulp perform at the Hollywood Grand, which was a venue that British bands never played. It was an unfamiliar venue with an unfamiliar energy. The crowd were absolutely nuts for Pulp. According to my detour story, there were a lot of panties being flung at the stage, especially during the song Underwear. Why don't you shut the door and close the curtains? Cause you're not going anywhere. He's coming up the stairs and in the moment 
Jarvis's lyrics rival Prince in their sexual content. Also not unlike Prince, Jarvis is such an unexpected sex symbol. The character on stage and in his songs is oversexed and saucy. The real-life character is a super nerd. Whereas Johnny Dean from Menswear kept saying when I interviewed him earlier this year, Jarvis is able to do all that stuff on stage, but still looks like a geography teacher. It's like Revenge of the Nerds. After the gig at the Hollywood Grand, which was the only time I saw Pulp play their own show in North America that I can recall, I ended up in their dressing room. But honestly, it's not like we had become friends like I was with a lot of the other bands, and I shouldn't have been there. It wasn't that welcoming of an environment, and the other band members definitely didn't know me, but they were still nice. According to my Filofax entry for that day, we went to the Opium Den and then back to the Hyatt. I have no idea why. I couldn't stop it now. There's no way to get out. He's standing far too near. How the hell did you get Jarvis presented his group Jarvis at the festival Desert Days in 2018 and that was a fun experience for us. It brought back everything that was humorous and fabulous about him and the storytelling element of what he was doing was second to none. Last month we saw Pulp headline Corona Capital in Mexico City and Jarvis was exactly the same as he was in 1996 but amped up even more. He was wearing a green velvet suit and high-heeled shoes. He had his glasses on and he did wiggly, wriggly moves for the duration of Pulp's performance, including writhing around on stage. It was awesome, all the more so because it was ageless, unapologetic, and outrageous. The crowd was absolutely nuts for it again, singing every word. What Pulp does, led by Jarvis, translates globally. If you could close your eyes and just remember that's a snapshot of my experiences with Pulp. My 1996 articles on Pulp for Detour Magazine and Hits Magazine will be posted as part of the paid tier of my Pictures of Lily newsletter. The Pictures of Lily newsletter goes out every couple of weeks and you can subscribe to it for free. For my paid subscribers, I am posting bonus newsletters that include print-only interviews from my 31-year archive, including classic ones from the 90s with Robert Smith of The Cure, Noel Gallagher of Oasis, Richard Ashcroft of The Verve, and Damon Albarn of Blur and Gorillaz. For founding members, there are additional interviews with Noel, Richard, and Damon. I will link the Pictures of Lily newsletter in this podcast if you'd like to subscribe to it for free. From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lauren Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or Instagram or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. See you, wanna see you standing in your underwear. <sighs> Thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily.